This episode of This Mom Loves is brought to you by Minimalist Moms, offering monthly play subscription kits for kids aged 0 to 6 in Kawartha Lakes, Peterborough, and Durham. Save money, reduce clutter, and help the environment. Plus, keep your child interested in their toys. Find them online at minimalistmoms.ca. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I am Kate Wynn. I'm a mom of two girls. I am a teacher currently in kindergarten. I'm a blogger at thismomloves.ca, also a frequent TV guest, a book club host, and a podcaster. And you are listening to episode 54 of the show. Today in My Favorite Things, I'm going to share two very interesting works of fiction, which also come with some controversy. In the lifestyle segment, I'm going to be taking a look at my 24 2020 goals list and seeing how I'm doing with that. And my very special guest later in the show is Erin Flynn. She is a founder and CEO of the personal styling app Cladwell, which I have, I use, I love. And she's got a lot of great information to share about closet cleaning, making the most of the clothing that you have, how to help the environment, all sorts of exciting things that have to do with our clothing. So you're going to want to stick around for that. Kicking things off with a couple of book recommendations. And as I mentioned, they both have some controversy with them. I'm going to read you the publisher's description first and then just tell you a little bit about the backstory. So the first one is American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Lydia Cuxano Perez lives in the Mexican city of Acapulco. She runs a bookstore. She has a son, Luca, the love of her life, and a wonderful husband who is a journalist. And while there are cracks beginning to show in Acapulco because of the drug cartels, Her life is, by large, fairly comfortable. Even though she knows they'll never sell, Lydia stocks some of her all-time favorite books in her store. And then one day, a man enters the shop to browse and comes up to the register with a few books he would like to buy, two of them her favorites. Javier is erudite. He is charming. And unbeknownst to Lydia, he is the jefe of the newest drug cartel that has gruesomely taken over the city. When Lydia's husband's tell-all profile of Javier is published, none of their lives will ever be the same. Forced to flee, Lydia and eight-year-old son Luca soon find themselves miles and worlds away from their comfortable middle-class existence, instantly transformed into migrants. Lydia and Luca ride La Bestia, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, trains that make their way north toward the United States, which is the only place Javier's reach doesn't extend. As they join the countless people trying to reach El Norte, Lydia soon sees that everyone is running from something, but what exactly are they running to? American Dirt will leave readers utterly changed. It is a literary achievement filled with poignancy, drama, and humanity on every page. It is one of the most important books for our times. Already being hailed as A Grapes of Wrath for Our Times and A New American Classic, Janine Cummins' American Dirt is a rare exploration into the inner hearts of people willing to sacrifice everything for a glimmer of hope. Now, I was given this book by a friend, and I'm just going to be very honest, I really enjoyed it. I love the book. It is fiction. It's meant to be, of course, based on certain things that we know may be happening. Um, My husband and I like to watch a lot of, you know, the Netflix drug cartel, all that kind of stuff. So those kind of themes interest me. But also I hadn't really done much reading fiction or otherwise about the the migrant situation. So, I mean, whether some of it was true or not true, I I think I still learned some things. And, uh, and there's certainly a lot to be discussed there. But in terms of the book, it actually ended up being an Oprah's choice. 
And after Oprah picked it, there was an awful lot of controversy. To me, the way I understand it, having read a bunch of articles online, is the biggest thing was that Janine Cummins identifies as a white woman. And I think a lot of people thought that this, you know, big, famous, um, promoted book, especially something that's picked by Oprah, that maybe this story should have been told by a person of color, maybe a person from the country, from the area who would actually, you know, maybe know more about it, have a more authentic voice. So then, of course, there's the whole big issue of who is allowed to tell what stories. And I mean, anything I say, I mean, you're listening to my podcast, so you're going to get some of my opinion. Um, but obviously, everything is clouded by my white privilege and, you know, the way I grew up, everything I've seen and done and and, and all of that. So there's the whole angle, of course, of, of people saying, you know, it's fiction. Anybody's allowed to write a book. And it's certainly very thoroughly researched as well from anything that I've seen. I'm not saying that she included all authentic points in the telling of the story, but it's not like she just sat down and decided to make it all up. But then the more I kind of dug into it, I think one of the biggest issues for people was that there were novels written out there that existed, written by people of color, maybe closer to the situation, that didn't necessarily get representation or get a publishing contract. Maybe there are books that were published, but just haven't been promoted or, you know, picked like when you pick something for Oprah's book club you know that it's going uh it's going to go uh going going a little big so and I totally see that point of view as well so I mean not to take away from what uh, now this woman has said the author Janine Cummins that I think her grandmother was Puerto Rican so that you know the level of having a person of color in her her family tree there and but I do think she has identified publicly before as white and so that's what a lot of people were worried about and not knowing the story myself in terms of how everything works with uh, with the migrants and people coming from Mexico and, and the situations down there, I certainly have no opinion on how correct the book was or anything like that. I do think there should be some liberty allowed for fiction, like in any other fiction that we read. Um, but I also totally understand the point of view that if it's just the white people getting published and, and what's going on to these other people, that their their work is being ignored or that it isn't being promoted the same way or picked up the same way. So there are certainly huge issues and nothing that I'm qualified to to delve too far into here. So I do recommend it as, as a great book to read, American Dirt, because it's a book I've read, a book I enjoyed that I can now share with you. Are there other books maybe by other authors on the same topic that we should also be reading? Probably. And so if I get experience with those ones myself, I will be sure to share that as well. But it definitely is an interesting book that I enjoyed and an interesting conversation to have about who is allowed to write what. And that actually brings me, uh, interestingly enough, to my second book. Now, I did put these two books together in this show because of the link. I read them a couple of months apart. Um, but then again, with all the research, I thought, okay, well, this is perfect to talk about these together. So the next book, again, that I really enjoyed and recommend, and not only that, but I chose it for the This Mom Loves Virtual Book Club on Facebook as our October 2020 pick. So if you're in the book club, you probably already saw that notice go out. But if not, and you're interested, you can find us on Facebook, This Mom Loves Virtual Book Club. Um, you just request to join. I will absolutely let you in. We'd love to have new members. And the book we're going to be reading for next month is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. And here's the publisher's description. 2000. Bright, ambitious, and yearning for adulthood, 15-year-old Vanessa Y. becomes entangled in an affair with Jacob Strain, her magnetic and guileful 42-year-old English teacher. 2017. 
Amid the rising wave of allegations against powerful men, a reckoning is coming due. Strain has been accused of sexual abuse by a former student who reaches out to Vanessa, and now Vanessa suddenly finds herself facing an impossible choice. Remain silent, firm in the belief that her teenage self willingly engaged in this relationship, or redefine herself and the events of her past. But how can Vanessa reject her first love, the man who fundamentally transformed her and has been a persistent presence in her life? Is it possible that the man she loved as a teenager and who professed to worship only her may be far different from what she's always believed? Alternating between Vanessa's present and her past, my dark Vanessa juxtaposes memory and trauma with the breathless excitement of a teenage girl discovering the power her own body can wield. Thought-provoking and impossible to put down, this is a masterful portrayal of troubled adolescence and its repercussions that raises vital questions about agency, consent, complicity, and victimhood. Written with the haunting intimacy of The Girls and the creeping intensity of Room, My Dark Vanessa is an era-defining novel that brilliantly captures and reflects the shifting cultural mores transforming, transforming our relationships and society itself. So this book also um, came under controversy and for some of the same reasons. And here's the story. When the book was being set to release, Another author who had written a memoir, so her name is Wendy C. Ortiz, and she wrote a memoir called Excavation. And so she came out basically saying that she thought My Dark Vanessa, the novel, seemed very similar, seemed to have pulled things from her memoir, which, as you can figure out, talked about her own sexual abuse and situation that happened. So, and again, Wendy C. Ortiz being... Uh, a woman of color, Kate Elizabeth Russell, as I understand it, being white. And so I think what happened there as well is just sort of the idea that Kate Elizabeth Russell, I believe, had like a seven-figure contract for her book. And I'm, I'm quite sure that uh, Wendy Ortiz did not get that kind of money for her memoir. And so again, sort of the question of the white people getting the big contracts, the people of color who have similar stories to tell, how they're not being you know, picked up the same, they're not being valued the same which I, I totally see. I think when you get into the details of the books, that's where there's sort of a he or sorry, a she said, she said, and you know what their friends say and what people who have read the books say. I have not read Excavation yet. And so of course I'll be able to, once I read it, I'll be able to compare, you know, the details myself. But again, My Dark Vanessa was meant to be fiction. Um, and Kate Elizabeth Russell talks about how she had actually started it um, much earlier, I believe when she was doing doing um, an advanced degree earlier. So uh, I think her Master of Fine Arts maybe. And that was kind of what formed the basis of what she was writing there. So a long time ago, she had started putting this all together, but she did also admit that she had read Excavation too. And then much later on, I think she did actually say that this was somewhat based on her own experience. So then there's also kind of the idea of, well, do you have to have been sexually abused to be able to write about sexual abuse and that sort of thing. But I think just when you're comparing two works from two women, one who's white and one who's woman of color that are getting treated very differently, that's kind of where the controversy comes out. And actually Oprah had chosen My Dark Vanessa as a book club choice and then ended up dropping it because she, I don't think she wanted it to, I don't think she wanted to take away from anything the way, um, the way things had kind of gone when she did pick American Dirt. So I think she sort of was trying to stay away from controversy. And so she ended up uh, deciding not to, not to use that one for her book club. So, you know, kind of some similarities between the two books that I've, that I've talked about today. 
in terms of, you know, who's, who's allowed to write what stories and all of that. And I think it also just comes back to a black indigenous and people of color, not necessarily getting, I I shouldn't say not necessarily, not, they're not getting the same treatment in the publishing world as white people are. And it doesn't seem to be a male female thing in this situation because we're talking about, um, um, all female writers when it comes to these two books, but it certainly does seem to be white compared to uh, BIPOC. So very interesting, something to keep in mind and think about, but that doesn't stop me from saying that I really enjoyed My Dark Vanessa as a novel. Um, dark is a great word for it. Um, I think what was really fascinating was just, you know, when you think of a pedophile, sometimes you think of a very young child and something that's just, it sits a certain way. But then when you have Vanessa's point of view and almost the role she played in, you know, sort of getting this relationship going with her teacher, but then remembering, but no, technically she's a child. So it still is what it is, but how she does and doesn't see herself as a victim. And it's just, I found a really interesting read and um, certainly interesting enough to recommend for the This Mom Loves Virtual Book Club for October. If you are looking for me on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves and on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. I would love to be found. I always love when someone just sends me even just a private message, like oh, I was just listening to your podcast. I read that book too, or I'm going to read that book, or your guest was great, or can you remind me what that thing was you talked about? Like I just love it. I love hearing from people who have listened to the show. So please reach out if you want to send a public message telling everybody that you um, listened to the show and enjoyed it. That would be wonderful too. That's usually how people find new podcasts is from their friends' recommendations. So uh, any shout outs are also very much appreciated. My website is thismomloves.ca. On there, you can find all of my blog posts about a wide variety of topics, as well as TV segments, um, links to print articles, all of those things, as well as links to all of my podcast episodes as well, all there for you to find. In the lifestyle segment today, I just wanted to take a few minutes to kind of reflect on my 20 for 2020 goals. So this was an idea that I, I got directly from Gretchen Rubin. I think she might've started with 18 for 2018. It could have been earlier than that. And, um, you know, setting that number of goals for that year. And she and her sister, Elizabeth Kraft have talked about them a lot on their podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And I did set some goals. I did the 19 for 2019 and then the 20 for 2020 as well. And it's just kind of funny because obviously COVID has turned everything upside down in terms of any plans that we all may have thought that we had for this year. And I know a lot of people like to, at mid-year, take a peek and, and reflect back on things. But I wasn't recording podcasts. I was on hiatus in the summer. So I thought, you know, September is the new January. So let's take this time just to take a peek and look back. So the first thing on my list was that I wanted to have this Mom Loves t-shirts made. And I was able to, yep, check that off. I had a lot of people order them and that was fun. And so now I have some at home to wear as well when I want to publicize my brand. Second one, a jewelry collaboration for Mother's Day. So I don't know if you've heard the uh, the advice before that, you know, if you're jealous of someone, you admire someone, look at what it is and see what it is you need to do. And I know a lot of, you know, the bloggers, influencers, people like that, they were doing collaborations. And I thought, you know what, I'd love to do that. That'd be so fun. And so I worked with um, Hidden Gems by Raquel and Raquel was so amazing. We worked together and she helped me and we designed three different bracelets. So the Kate, the Olivia and the Eva, and we put them together for a collection and we were releasing them. Um, at the beginning of March. And we thought, okay, that gives lots of people time to, you know, get them and then to think ahead. And we really thought Mother's Day would sort of be a key, 
you know, because, you know, the this mom loves connection and the Kate bracelet, for example, you could get the birthstones of your children or your grandchildren, family members, which was a great Mother's Day gift. And the other ones I thought were beautiful too. Um, so, you know, we thought this was a great idea. And you know what? We did get a lot of wonderful support, but I do have to say that COVID certainly impacted that. Um, even we had sent them out to some friends of mine who, you know, have a bigger social media following, things like that. And I know some of them, I think are probably just still sitting in their mail rooms because they haven't been back to their studios or they got them. But I mean, especially March and April, I don't think people really wanted to be pushing jewelry. It just didn't really seem appropriate, which I get. So it, it was amazing. I'm glad I had the experience. Raquel was wonderful to work with. If you're looking for any sort of jewelry, you might want to check out Hidden Gems by Raquel. And I do believe you still can, um, if supplies allow, get the, the Kate, the Olivia, and the Eva so you can look into that. Um, but it just wasn't, I don't think it wasn't what it could have been if we hadn't tried to do it right before COVID-19 hit. So I can check it off that we did it. The next one was start a virtual book club and keep it going for the year. So yes, in January, I launched the This Mom Loves Virtual Book Club on Facebook and it has been running so far so good. I can't check it off because the goal was for all year. The next one was trip to Ireland. Well, my parents and my brother's family and my immediate family had planned big family trip to Ireland for July, which I'm sure as you probably can figure out, I live in Canada. We did not make it to Ireland in July. I'm hoping maybe it can be a, a summer 2021 goal, but maybe that won't even be feasible. We will see. Continue podcast for the year. Yes. So I did take a hiatus um, a little bit through the spring and summer, but I usually take a little break. So that was nothing new. And of course, as you are here with me, you know that we are back. So yes, I'm keeping that going. A podcast promo exchange I had on the list. So I wanted to think of another podcast that, you know, might have some similarities to mine that I like and reach out to them. And so actually I reached out to um, my acquaintance, Alana McGinn from This Girl Loves Sleep. And we did a little podcast promo for each other. So that was fun. Another thing I haven't checked off yet is promote the food bank. So I did actually put something on um, a new Instagram account that I have called Even Better Project. If you haven't checked that out yet, you can uh, take a peek at that. But it's got all sorts of different actionable tips for making uh, the world a better place or making yourself a better person. And I did something about some food bank tips a while back, but I would like to get, uh, get someone I know from a food bank on because I think there are a lot of misconceptions and things that people don't know and ways that uh, people can help that would be good to share. Ooh, a couple of uh, people I wanted to pitch for the podcast. So I did pitch kind of a big name and she said no, but I did get a, a message back from her person and you know, I tried. So that's one of those things I put myself out there. Clean out the storage area under the stairs. So that's where we kind of keep all of our souvenirs, mementos, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yes, I checked that one off. Read the precepts book with Eva every night. So I'm just going to double check the name of that book. So I always think that it's a great idea to, you know, read aloud to kids. And even as they get older, it's nice to read aloud with them as well. And so I have been doing that with my girls, you know, novels and things like that. But I'm going to be honest, sometimes it just <laughs> didn't keep going. It's like, let's do a chapter a night. And then that just wouldn't really happen. So um, but one book that has been really great to read with Eva every night, it's called 365 Days of Wonder, Mr. Brown's Precepts, a quote every day of the year about courage, friendship, love, and kindness by R.J. Palacio. And that's the writer of the book, Wonder. 
And so this is kind of a, a follow-up, but basically there's really just a quote for each day of the year. And so it's got the date at the top and you just read a quote. Sometimes we just read the quote and that's it. We say goodnight, or sometimes it's something that we talk about some more. So, and Eve is 12 years old. So that's something that you could do with someone a little younger, a little older. 365 days of wonder. I like that. Uh, paid out an extra chunk on the mortgage, working away on that one. I think this one's funny. Wear lipstick more often. <laughs> Because I have lots of lipsticks and I cleaned them all out at the start of the year and I thought, you know what, I should just put on lipstick every day and it kind of makes you feel, makes you feel done up and whatever. And then COVID came like, no, I'm not wearing lipstick. And then even with back to school now, I am wearing a mask to teach my kindergarten students every day. So there's a little bit of irony in that one. I had a goal to write to our sponsored child who lives in Zambia and that is through an organization called Chalice to write a couple of times a year and send Christmas and birthday gifts. And yeah, we did the birthday part and Christmas, looking forward to that. Cook prime rib. You know what? I cooked my own prime rib on Mother's Day and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do that. So we went to um, the farmer's butcher shop in town, which is amazing. Got a really nice prime rib. I cooked it and I was very happy with it. Now it does not compare to the keg yet, my own cooking. The keg prime rib is probably my favorite meal of all time. But you know what? I cooked prime rib and I did a really good job. So yes, I could check that one off. There was another person I wanted to pitch for the podcast and I have not done that one yet. I'm still trying to sleuth out some contact information. So that's one more. And then I also had grow potatoes. And no, I did not do that. And I think it's too late for this year. But I don't eat a lot of fruit and vegetables. And so I thought I do love potatoes. So I thought if that's one thing I could grow that I'm actually going to eat and enjoy myself, it would be potatoes. So maybe, I mean, it's funny, you'd think I had all the time in the world with COVID if I wanted to have done that this past, you know, spring and summer, get on that, which I didn't, but that could be something maybe for the future. So that's where things stand with my 20 for 2020. And I will be right back with my special guest, Erin Flynn, after a quick word from our sponsor. Minimalist Moms was founded by teacher Samantha Tomlinson, who was blown away by the amount of baby items she accumulated in her son's first year, and now offers a monthly toy subscription kit loaning program for kids 0 to 6 in Kawartha Lakes, Peterborough, and Durham. Each kit includes four age-appropriate toys and books, chosen with a great deal of research as well as input from a pediatric physiotherapist, and is loaned to you for a month when you can return it for your next kit. Items are top quality with some locally made, and some locations also include sensory bin add-ons, mindfulness kits, and climber rentals. Save money, reduce clutter, help the environment, and keep your child engaged in new-to-them, age-appropriate toys. I think this is such a great idea. Visit minimalistmoms.ca for more information. My special guest this week is Erin Flynn. She is a mom as well as co-founder and CEO of the personal styling app Cladwell, which is honestly one of my favorite apps. It might be right up there with my photo editing app. I love it so much. And I'm very excited to speak with her today from her home office in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome, Erin Flynn. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And also, I'm really glad you use Cladwell. And I love it. We'll talk about that in a bit. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and, and how you guys are doing these days? Yeah. Oh, so where to start? I don't know. <laughs> um, um, so a little bit about myself is, um, um, I'll take you way back. I am originally from Indiana. And like any good Hoosier does, I got a full ride basketball scholarship to um, a Division II school in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, went to school, studied marketing, 
graduated um, and got married right after college. And that moved us up to the what I'd like to say is the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And <laughs> we asked to be sent to the East Coast and they sent us to Pennsylvania. I'm like, I'm not so sure <laughs> that exactly uh, equates to the East Coast, but okay. Um, anyhow, so we went up there and I... I kind of started my career in 2009, which if you recall was, um, and maybe not as a Canadian, I don't know how much it affected you guys, um, but the economy was crashing here. Um, mm -hmm. So the economy had just tanked and no one was hiring marketing degrees. In fact, they were getting rid of entire marketing departments. So at that point, I couldn't find a job. I basically decided, hmm, what am I, what am I going to do? And it was like, if I'm going to find a job, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to create one myself. So that's kind of what I did. I started um, a fashion blog at the time and ended up growing it into um, kind of my own small business. Um, and from there, uh, got into the startup world. Um, so I kind of saw this problem, which is all these fashion bloggers and lifestyle bloggers that were working with brands, but brands didn't really know how to work with them. And so I'd started my first startup company and uh, that kind of launched me into the whole startup scene. Um, it ended up failing. Um, and so from from there, I, I was into the, that for like two to three years, uh, kind of got my feet back under me and uh, went to work kind of like a corporate entrepreneur, entrepreneurship role. Um, and about two to three years into that, kind of got the itch back into startup world. And that's how I ended up at Cladwell. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of my my background as career related, how we're doing right now, my yeah. family. So we actually, uh, today we moved, well, in March when the pandemic all went down, um, we moved our houses. So it was kind of chaotic to go from one part of town to the other. Um, and, but I would say now we're really settled in and luckily I'm, I'm very blessed in the way, um, that called my husband, Colin, his mom comes to us every day and has continued to do that with uh, or throughout the pandemic. So we have an amazing setup that I absolutely have no complaints about. Because you have a little guy at home. Yes. Yeah, I kind of left that part out. I have a two-year-old. <laughs> I have a two-year-old that takes up a lot of my time. And yet we're both running businesses. So it's kind of a challenge. And um, that's where... I would get no work done. I mean, to be honest, I really would not get, we'd have to split time and it would, it would be um, way less work. So I am very lucky that she comes and helps us out. That's great. So I do want you to tell listeners, I know all about Cladwell, but tell listeners about Cladwell. And I would also like to add, it has been featured by Good Morning America, People Magazine, Marie Kondo, and even on This Mom Loves before on my yes. site. <laughs> so how would you how would you explain Cladwell to someone who doesn't know anything about it? Yeah, I so I would explain it by saying Cladwell is a personal styling service that helps you experience the freedom of a capsule wardrobe. Um, and I'll explain what a capsule wardrobe is in a minute, but we do this right now through our personal styling app and the personal styling app makes it easy to get dressed every morning with daily outfit recommendations based off the clothes already in your closet. So we really help you make the most of what you already have. Um, and kind of how this, I would say, I'll explain the capsule wardrobe piece, um, how that kind of came about was I would wake up every morning 
and say the exact same thing, which is I have too many clothes and nothing to wear, which was ridiculous mm-hmm. because I had over 450 items hanging in my closet. Um, and so, you know, it didn't make sense to me that I have all these clothes and yet still feel felt this pain point. And so um, I was introduced to the concept of a capsule wardrobe. And that really is the process of editing down your clothes to only your favorite items and curating a wardrobe around those pieces. So it's all about having everything that you love and wear in front of you in your closet for that season and nothing else. So when I went through that process, um, it really changed my life. And I wanted to be able to help others feel that same freedom. And you said, so 450 items, and then I read somewhere you took that down to 75. Have you been able to maintain that? Yes. And I would say, especially during quarantine right now, I am way <laughs> less than 75. I pretty mm-hmm. much have like a mini athleisure capsule. Um, but yeah, I would say I have the first change of um, really after you do the closet clean out and kind of go through that editing process and figuring out what you love and like and want to keep. Um, that is very challenging the first time. But I would say after you go through it, and you start honing in on the things that you, the you know, the reasons you grab certain items over other items, it, it has been pretty easy to maintain. Um, and so it, it truly has kind of been, I call it like, it's a practice. It's kind of like doing yoga or anything else. I do a capsule um, sometimes, or definitely four times a year, sometimes more than that, depending on um, what's going on in my life. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I love the process. Something I really love about the app for me is the styling aspect of it, of figuring out things like to match up or what to, you know, what to wear with certain pieces. Um, Because sometimes what I'll do, I know each day the app will suggest a total complete outfit for me if I want it to. But sometimes what I'll do is I'll go in and I'll say, I'm never wearing these green pants. Like what am I supposed to wear these green pants with? So I'll pick the green pants and then it'll give me all sorts of things in my closet that I could wear with the green pants. And I love that because it gets me wearing other things. And then it's true, like even on the app, it'll tell you how, like what items you wear the most, what items you wear the least, the percentages and all that. So you can kind of see, oh my gosh, like six months have gone by and I have never worn that shirt. I'm not going to wear that shirt. It's time to donate it or whatever. So there's a whole bunch of, of neat functions there. Yeah. It's really great for, I would say a couple different reasons. So like similar, similarly to myself, um, I, every morning you get the three outfit recommendations based off your weather and what you say is in your closet. And based off those outfit recommendations, even if you don't take those three, I typically look at those and that gives me a jump start, which is really great because Mm -hmm. then I don't have to think about, again, I don't have to think about what to wear. It's it's one less decision I have to make in the morning. Um, And so I will edit the outfit and just maybe change out the shoes or change out, you know, one of the pieces, but it got me going. Um, and yeah, like you said, if, if you don't know how to wear an item in your closet, we can show you all the possible outfit outfits from that particular item. And then it's also another kind of hack around it is if you're thinking about buying something, you can add that into your closet and then see all the outfit possibilities you could have if you bought it. And then you can really make an intentional decision as to whether you want to keep something or whether you want to actually purchase it and whether you'll wear it or if it's not so worth the investment. So, um, yeah, it's really great in a couple different ways of helping you, again, think, think more about what you already own and how to wear it, and then also make kind of better decisions with 
um, the tracking aspect as well as the intentional shopping. Well, yeah, and you're leading exactly into my next question. So on your website, I don't know if you call this a mission statement or you have a different phrase for it, but it says, we choose to let go of clutter, love and wear everything in our closet, shop intentionally. So that shop intentionally piece, why is that so important? Yeah, so a capsule wardrobe, and when I, again, when I say capsule wardrobe, that really just means loving and wearing every single thing in your closet. And if you love and wear every single thing in your closet, it's really hard to have a large closet because it's kind of physically impossible to wear, you know, more than a certain amount of clothes um, in a season. But the shopping intentionally is really important because one, we have gotten in this kind of vicious cycle where we go to our closet, we say the same thing again, that I have too many clothes, nothing to wear. And we think the solution to that problem is to go find better and more clothes. Um, to kind of trade out the other ones. But what happens is we go find clothes and impulse shopping, as well as we're not entirely sure what we're looking for when we're shopping. So we just buy based off what feels good in the moment. Um, and some of those choices are good. But when we bring them back, we don't get rid of the clutter. And sometimes items that we bring back, we're not even sure if we really like them or how to wear them. So it just builds up this clutter and it becomes this vicious cycle where we end up just shopping and shopping and shopping, constantly trying to seek our way into a better wardrobe. And it just doesn't work like that. Um, so again, if we can change our mindset and the way we think about our closet and our relationship with our clothes, then we can have ultimately um, a healthier lifestyle, uh, a wardrobe that we end up loving, and also will become more intentional as we go out and shop. Um, and the other piece of this is a capsule wardrobe is the most sustainable wardrobe you can possibly have. Um, if you wear your clothes more, you have uh, a better impact on the environment. Um, you will end up figuring out what you love the most, which again, makes you more intentional. And you can ultimately um, kind of refine your wardrobe to feel most like yourself. But it doesn't culminate in this continuation of shopping and shopping, shopping, which ends up kind of wreaking havoc on the environment. Well, and I've been thinking about that lately too, because as we record this, it's, uh, it's still summertime, but thinking about back to school and, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, back to school, let's just go out and buy a bunch of new clothes. And I'm a teacher, so I kind of yeah. have that back to school <laughs> going on. Um, but I've been thinking about shopping intentionally. So for example, I've got a lot of, you know, kind of flowy tops and tunics and that sort of thing. But a lot of my pants are also kind of, you know, baggy or whatever. And so those two don't kind of go. So I know I need another couple of pairs of kind of fitted or, or straight pants to go with those. And that's really all I'm going to buy is like a pair or two of neutral colored slimmer pants to go with all of those yeah. other tops that I already have, as opposed to going out and buying a whole bunch of different outfits. And I know too, yeah. I do a lot of TV appearances and I've got a great local shop that will um, provide me with clothing and I just get to borrow it, which is amazing. But I know people are always yeah. saying to me like, oh, you didn't buy that after or you, oh, you don't want to keep that or whatever. No, I don't. Like I, I don't need all, I've worn it on TV. I don't need it anymore. It's such a great thing right. to, to have that, to have that option for myself. But I know for a lot of people, it's sort of like collecting all the stuff and it's so freeing when you just kind of minimize a little bit. Yeah. And I think there's just this um, a myth that the bigger your closet, the better your style. And what that's what ends up what ends up happening is that 
with um, a huge closet or a lot of clutter in your closet, even if you like, you know, some of it, most of us, I think it's the average person only wears 20% of their wardrobe. And so what happens is you get really confused as to what you like and what you don't like. And it makes it very hard to get dressed in the morning because you're not entirely sure which pieces or you end up going back to those same, you know, same 20% pieces. Um, and so what's great if, is if you clear out the clutter and you love every single thing in your wardrobe and you don't have to even question what you're going to wear, it makes it so freeing and so easy to get dressed in the morning. Um, and also, like you said, when it comes to shopping intentionally, uh, being super intentional and being able to create your list kind of before you actually go shop and really think about like which pieces would help me get the most out of my wardrobe or like which pieces would help me create, you know, multiple new outfits. Um, those are the real pieces that if you buy less, you can actually invest more money into and hope mm. that they last longer, um, which is really great. And on that shopping note still, so you've got a great free ebook on your site and lots of good tips in it and an interesting, interesting explanation about why we keep buying clothes. And there were two phrases I hadn't heard before. So planned obsolescence and perceived obsolescence. So what do those mean and why, why do they factor in, in terms of why we keep buying, buying, buying? Yeah. Again, it kind of goes back into what I was saying. Some of this is, um, People are actually making clothes that are intentionally meant not to last. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to more the manufacturing cycle. And um, they're kind of, if you haven't heard of fast fashion, it's basically this term that was created because our clothing used to be made in more or less two cycles. So you'd have like your summer, spring, and you'd have your winter, fall. Um, and that was the manufacturing cycles. And then stores would release those, those pieces. Today, it's sped up to almost where there is a new collection of clothes in retail stores every two weeks or so. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of that is because of the consumer demand. We have demanded, we've turned uh, clothing into a consumable. And so um, the faster we shop, um, the cheaper our clothes are made. And so part of that is that we, um, again, are buying these items that are not meant to last and then we throw them out and then we go buy new items. And so, uh, it's really breaking that cycle and kind of by our consumer demand, changing that up and saying, Hey, I actually want high quality items and I I'd prefer to buy less. If we slow down our shopping habits, that actually will change um, part of the cycle that actually it'll change the fashion industry for the better. Um, and then the other piece is that clothing actually impacts how we feel about ourselves. Um, they did this study and I think this is what I ended up talking about in the ebook and I, I haven't, I haven't looked at it, looked at it in a little while. So I, I'll have to do the best I can at recalling it. Um, oh, but yeah, basically yeah. they gave, um, doctors, a, or they did this study where they gave one group of people um, or both group of people had white lab coats. One group of people was told that they were doctors, white lab coats, and the others, I think it was like an artist or something. Um, but basically, it changed how people uh, acted and how it impacted their behavior. Um, and part of that is to show 
that these clothes, while we think they're kind of, you know, a lot of times clothing is like frivolous or people think of it that way or fashion is frivolous, but it actually has a huge impact on how we feel about ourselves and, um, and ultimately when we feel good about ourselves, we are often more confident out in the workplace and so forth, better parents, et cetera. Um, and so it bleeds over into that other aspects of our life. And so it's really important when it's the very first thing, maybe the second thing after you use the bathroom in the morning, <laughs> the second thing is when you're getting dressed, it's really important to make that process as simple, intentional, and um, helps you leaving you feeling confident um, as you go on about your morning. How do you find things have changed with your business throughout COVID-19? Is it something that's really been impacted? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, like at the beginning, I, we weren't impacted too much. Definitely not like retailers were, where you have a department store and um, but people were unable to do their normal habits. Um, and what was really fascinating is that in March and April, people were super interested in closet cleanouts. So we mm. put out a lot of different content, um, free content on closet cleanouts, how to do it, because everyone was stuck in their homes. And so they're like, what can, you know, springtime, what can I do that gives me a little control over this situation? Um, so that was, that was a really interesting thing that we saw happen. And then um, this later, later time, I feel like we're starting to see a little bit right now, which is, I think people are trying to figure out what they're going to do in their life, whether they're going to end up staying in joggers and leggings for the rest of the time, or mm -hmm. whether they're actually going to have to go into work and, um, you know, present themselves to other people. And so we're kind of seeing uh, just conversations happen around how, you know, how do I think about my wardrobe in this time where I have been in my house living in athleisure, uh, an athleisure wardrobe for a very long time? Um, and so I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. I think everyone kind of doesn't know what's going to happen right now. Um, but I think what we're trying to tell people is that whether you're at home or whether you have to go into an office, like getting dressed specifically for yourself is a great behavior, um, a great habit to to build and to have. And oftentimes, if we, um, you know, continue kind of just lounging around the house in our same athleisure um, items for a long time, you end up kind of just feeling bad. And no one really knows, like, why do, why do I feel so bad? And it's because you've broken all the habits that you typically had. And so kind of rebuilding that habit and um, again, whether you're going into the office or at home, getting dressed for yourself. So that's what we're trying to encourage right now. Um, but yeah, luckily we have not seen a major, major impact. Um, thank goodness. Hopefully, hopefully not. Well, I have been so excited at the idea of getting back physically to school and using Cladwell, you know, the whole personal styling, getting my outfits picked out. And now there's some talk yeah. amongst uh, teachers and school staff. Should we just wear scrubs when we go back? And, and part of me is thinking, oh, well, no. I guess if that's the safest, <laughs> but <laughs> kind of excited yeah. to wear my clothes again. Now, you mentioned um, something that I, I think is right on about when people were home, that whole idea of, I think they were purging all sorts of areas of their homes um, yeah. and taking time to, to clean things out and fresh starts and clothes definitely being one of those things. What are a few of your best tips for people looking to, to purge their wardrobes a little bit to get down to what they love? How can they start to do that? 
Yeah. So the closet clean out process is uh, pretty simple, but it takes time. So my first, I have two pieces of advice um, initially, like when you're getting started, which a lot of people leave these, these pieces out. First, do your laundry, <laughs> all of your laundry, even up to the point of whatever you're wearing until like the moment you're doing the closet clean out. Because having all your clothes um, cleaned and ready for the process makes such a difference because it's it's kind of um, it takes a little time. And so if you're having to run around the house or going into the laundry room or whatever, um, it just it's exhausting. So do your laundry. Um, and then second thing is set aside time. And I would encourage you to whether it's your partner or your friend someone else having them even if you have to have them on zoom or something um have someone else a part of the process because it will one hold you accountable but it will also um make the process more fun and they can kind of help you when you're in those maybe stages of should i keep this should i not keep this or if you're holding on to something for emotional reasons they can kind of help you be rational during those times so those are two pieces to get started. And then from there, I mean, the process is you take out all your clothes, put them on your bed, and then separate your clothes into three piles. So the first pile is everything you love. The second pile is uh, all the no's. And I would say even if it's a maybe, it needs to go in the no pile. Mm -hmm. And then the third um, pile is pieces that you actually do love, but either are... Uh, like don't fit you properly or they shrunk or um, something that you would need to replace, but you actually do really love it. Um, that goes in the third pile and kind of going through and analyzing each pile and then hiding away the, the group that you no longer love and going through pile one um, and putting that back into your closet. And that really helps you narrow down that that is the start of your capsule wardrobe. It really helps you narrow down um your your unique style that's great so now that many people are perhaps getting out of their athleisure and wanting to to do uh, a little bit more with their wardrobes some people may want to check out the cladwell app so i know um you could do a seven day free trial no credit card or anything if you want to give it a shot if you do go for an annual subscription you're talking approximately five bucks a month which for me i find amazing to have that personal stylist right there at hand. What are your top tips for people starting to use the app to try to get the most out of it as quick as they can? Yes. So starting by, um, it's really easy to get your closet in. I think a lot of people, that's the biggest barrier is like, oh, my closet is so huge and I don't want to add in all my clothes. That would take forever. Um, but we have a, a, I think it's a database of over 17,000 items. So it's likely we will have something similar to the items in your closet. And so when you go through that process, you're going to tap on items that are similar to what you already own. And when you do that, I highly advise, um, using the database to add in your clothes first because it's a really easy way to get a majority of your closet in. Once you do that, you can always go back and tap on your individual items that you just added and you can replace them with an actual image um, of your item or something from the, the web um, if you couldn't find something that was similar in the database. And so um, and that's a really simple process of just like tapping and you snap your photo, your real life photo, and then put it into the app. Um, so that helps you kind of get your closet in first. And you can do that, you know, a little bit at a time throughout the week. 
or you can do it all at once. But like I said, it, it, it really will take less than five minutes if you just tap from the database. Um, from there, I highly recommend um, people creating these what we call like mini capsules and it's really categorizing your clothes so based off your lifestyle activities so if you're you know working or you know teaching that would be potentially one um, mini capsule would be like your your work clothes and then another capsule could be um athleisure hanging around the house Mm -hmm. Um, and another one could be date night or church or whatever it may be Um, it's kind of separating those clothes by the category and in the app that helps you be able to go back and forth between your different capsules and will help get you dressed based off those particular items but also it kind of helps you be able to see where you maybe um, have some gaps so a lot of people will say like I I have a lot of clothes but I feel like I have nothing to wear that could be because they actually don't have a lot to wear in their work capsule. And Mm -hmm. so being able to kind of separate your clothes helps you visually be able to see that. Um, And then the last thing is just try the app, try to get dressed um, for two weeks. And uh, like I said, whether that's you taking one of the recommendations that we give you or editing it and customizing it yourself. Um, But it really helps you kind of shift how you think about your wardrobe and how you think about your clothes. And I think if you do that for two weeks and um, you should kind of feel a little different or have a little different approach to um, your wardrobe that you may have not had before. I have a couple other tips to offer as well. So I know what I did was I enlisted my then 11-year-old daughter to actually put all of my clothing into the app when I first got it. So we just pulled everything out and put it on the bed. And like you said, I mean, you know, I think I have a floral t-shirt. Well, the floral t-shirt that you have in the database isn't the exact same floral pattern, but I know that it's my floral t-shirt when it comes up as a recommendation, right? So it can save some time. And I think there were only a handful of items where I was like, no, this is really kind of unique and different. I don't quite see anything. So Eva would just take a picture of it for me and then... And, you know, put in the information and put it in. So, so that part, uh, that part's good. And I know for my capsules, I probably should have moved into an athleisure one in uh, COVID, but I think I was just too, uh, too down about my wardrobe to even bother worrying about yeah. which, which <laughs> pair of yoga pants and which hoodie I wore. But um, yeah, so I do have work and I have casual and I find that's really great because then Monday to Friday, the, I just, you know, say that I want a work outfit. And so then the app knows what clothing to choose from. And then on the weekends or holidays or whatever, I can, I can do casual. Now I did notice there's something in there right now that says challenge capsule. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just a way to quickly challenge yourself to live out of the word, out of your digital wardrobe for seven days, I believe it is. So basically it's a quick way to get started and to say like, Hey, for seven days, I'm going to let Gladwell, dress me. And that um, is if you're really up for just kind of just jumping all in. If you're that type of person where you're like, I want to change how I I don't like my wardrobe today. I want to change my habits. Um, Just literally add in your clothes, um, create your first challenge capsule, like whatever you are doing that week, um, and then let us dress you. And it's that simple. Very neat. So you are a podcaster now too, with a show called Too Many Clothes and Nothing to Wear, which we now know is kind of the uh, the start for all of all, all of this. How is the podcast going? Yeah. 
Good. So we released a first season um, that kind of had more of a narrative. It was trying to tell you the whole story around what Cloudwell believes. Um, And we had different guests to help us do that. So from Elizabeth Klein, who um, is an author who wrote the book, The Conscious Closet, as well as some other books in the past um, around the whole state of the fashion industry. She explained fast fashion and what it was, so what the problem is. And then we went all the way up to Courtney Carver, who did Project 333 and um, kind of helped you think about a new minimal wardrobe. And so, and a lot of varying guests in between, but it all kind of helped tell the whole story. Um, it was really fun. I'd never done a podcast. So I can't say I was really great at it, but it was really fun to do. And um, and yeah, I I enjoyed it. And so we also since then have released, I believe it's three episodes, um, three bonus episodes. One, which I would recommend listening to is um, Andrew Morgan, who is the director and producer of True Cost, which is all around the fashion industry. That was such a fascinating podcast. podcast uh, podcast episode to be a part of um so that and then uh one by myself and then we also released the ebook as an audio book mm-hmm. so um i'm hoping to be able to do some maybe a second season or some more coming up that's what we're kind of working on now um yeah so it'll be it'll be interesting and what else is coming up next for cladwell anything you can share with us that's in the works or in your in your thoughts oh man we have I like, I wish I could share. (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, I can share a couple of pieces. So we have a lot coming up in, it's, it's very challenging because of development times and testing times, but it will either be late fall. It will definitely be early winter. I'm pretty sure I, pretty sure I can say that confidently. Um, and one thing I can tell you is that we are working on the development of an Android app. Mm-hmm. So that's been the biggest pain point. And I feel so bad for anyone who has been messaging us of like, when is Android coming? Um, you have to develop it on an entirely different code base. So it actually takes an entirely different development team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've worked up the resources to be able to do that. And we're it's in progress. It's just going a little slower than I want it to go. Uh, but it's happening. And uh, we're hoping to launch that as well as a complete redesign of the current app that I am so thrilled about. So I um, am hoping to have some beta testers be able to test it in the fall and then um, release it shortly after that. Um, And we have another major thing that's coming, but I can't say anything about it yet. So, um, uh, but watch out in the fall and winter. And it would be, it's a great time to sign up because you can kind of get the experience of what Cloudwell is today, and then you'll be able to be a part of kind of how it grows. Well, and something too about the whole Android app idea. When I first signed up, I had an Android phone, but what I did was I used Mm -hmm. my iPad. So I know it's always handier to have something on your phone for sure. But a lot of people who have an Android phone maybe do have an iPad at home as well somewhere. So I did use that. It was kind of nice, actually, the bigger screen and everything. So that was good. But then um, this past summer, I ended up joining the the iPhone world. And when I went to put apps (laughs) and everything on, I was like, I can put Cloudflow on my phone now. So so that was good. But I think people who are strictly Android will be looking forward to that. And my one little wish list thing, I don't know if this could ever be considered, is with outfits 
if there's ever a little place to put a note when you log your outfit, because sometimes mm. I want to remember the accessories I wore or the bra that had to go under that shirt or something like that. Yes. So, you know, wait on the line in the future. If you're ever thinking about something, that's the only one thing. Sometimes I think I wish I could have just said, <laughs> you know, like, or these shoes don't work with that, those pants, or, you know, or something right. to, put, um, to put a little note. But other than that, I, I, I love it. And it's fantastic. Last question for you, Erin, do you have a, this mom loves some sort of favorite thing to recommend to our listeners, maybe a book you've read or a different app that you like, or a beauty product, anything that stands out that listeners may like? Yes, I have two things. Can I say absolutely? <laughs> Great. Um, so the first thing is this mom loves coffee, mm. <laughs> a lot of coffee. Um, and so there's actually uh, my one of my local coffee shops does uh, online orders now with all of this. So I thought I could recommend it. Um, but it's Coffee Emporium, and I believe if you Google Coffee Emporium Cincinnati, it should be the top search. Um, and their coffee is so good. They have wonderful flavors and also just regular coffee, but they roast all their beans and it's, it's so good. Um, and then the second thing is I am really into, uh, the Brene Brown podcast right now. Um, her, she released her first season during the pandemic or like when all of this hit, um, and has just taken a hiatus and is, I think, coming back in a week or two or a couple weeks. Um, but it is so good. So I highly would um, suggest going to uh, order coffee and listen to a podcast. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Okay, Aaron Flynn from Cladwell. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. And that's a wrap for episode 54 of This Mom Loves. As mentioned, if you need any information from the show, the books I recommended, or you want to find Erin Flynn or her great app Cladwell, you can go to the show notes at thismomloves.ca slash podcasts and click on episode 54. I also would love if you could possibly rate or review This Mom Loves wherever you listen to podcasts, even just a quick on how many stars you would give it kind of thing can be really helpful for you know promoting the show in those apps and I also love to hear from listeners you know maybe you have an idea for a guest that you'd like to hear on the show or something that you want to tell me about uh, something that you heard in an episode please don't hesitate to reach out to me on social media or through my website I would love that this episode was edited for sound by Lucas Sound, L-U-K-A-S-O-U-N-D. If you need any sound editing work done, you should definitely look into him because he's fantastic. And until next time, take care.